Welcome back to Ether Hour, everybody. I am your host, Conrad Franz, joined as always by Dimitri Kaligan. This is episode 13. Hope we don't have any bad luck here on this uh, ethereal show. Uh, you know, if there's one show that's going to have numerology infused into it, I guess it would be this show. Inadvertently, of course, we don't do any of that. But today, we're going to be talking about the Union of Breast, Uniatism in general, specifically in Ukraine, uh, the history behind sort of the post. Reformation War disputes between Roman Catholicism and Orthodoxy and all of it that comes with that and so much of it that has to do with today and the situation going on in Ukraine as well. We're going to tie it all together. So it's going to be a good show. Dimitri, how are you doing? Doing great, doing great Conrad. Of course, um, this union of breast issue, it, it would come up a lot of the time in the news, maybe just on people's tongues, because it. I think even the Ukrainians and Russians and just historians in general understand that this is the pivotal moment in the I guess the second millennium of Christian history where this idea of Ukraine being separate from Russia really does appear. And of course, you know, as Breitbart used to say, culture is downstream from religion. And so what we see is this religious rift amongst the Russian people in Western Russia and in Eastern Russia being caused by this union with, with, the, with the Catholics, essentially. And this, you know, this all occurs in Brest as well as in Rome in, uh, in the late 1590s which seems like it's a long time away, but it's only 400 years. So in fact, this is quite a novel issue and it's only been going on for just the last few centuries. In fact, um, you know, the story begins kind of in the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, the neighborly country to what you would call the Tsar of Moscow. Tsar Ivan the Terrible is of course reigning in Russia. He's already crowned. And I call him Tsar Ivan the Terrible, obviously. Terrible means something different, but Ivan the Fourth from the Rurikid dynasty, descendants of St. Alexander Nevsky and St. Vladimir who baptized Rus, of course, very prominent dynasty almost uh 1000 years old only 600 years old at that point and russia is very very much emerging as this new third rome type tsardom and empire after the fall of constantinople in 1453 and of course what you have in the, in western and central europe is this great polish lithuanian commonwealth this union between lithuania as well as poland and also western ukrainian lands which at that point were western russian lands and they were mostly populated with orthodox christians as well as uh, a large ashkenazi jewish population as well which we won't go into too in depth in this particular episode but nevertheless the orthodox population constituted roughly about a third of the polish lithuanian commonwealth maybe roughly a quarter at the you know at the lowest estimates but it was very sizable so the orthodox people were a minority in polish uh, in the polish lithuanian republic and we call it a republic but it was a, a kingdom mixed with some parliamentarian democratic elements which gave it in a way it was almost like the first republic in europe this weird kingship type mix but nevertheless um orthodox bishops there were roughly seven western orthodox bishops they were under the ecumenical patriarch in this land and they felt this tremendous pressure over time mostly cultural but also political pressure from the orthodox laity now you'd have this orthodox laity essentially imagine rich generals rich oligarchs landowners aristocrats this pious orthodox men uh, men and women actually attending these uh, local, lo lo essentially local councils, local parish and diocesan councils, speaking with Orthodox bishops in Poland, speaking to Orthodox priests, and kind of almost like having a presence at at these church conventions, and essentially almost uh, pressuring the church into, not the church but the clergy into taking their wishes into account. The clergy at the time really didn't like that. They didn't like the fact that the lady had a lot of 
you know, this really heavy influence in church matters. And in fact, they wanted something perhaps a bit more Catholic. Well, as you know, in the Catholic church, the clergy, the clerics have almost absolute power over the laity. Of course, the, the bishops, especially the cardinals and the pope himself, they can almost crown and, uh, you know, they, they have the authority to bless kings. There's no, there's no particular sharing of power. In fact, the clergy itself is almost like the personification of the church. There is no sharing of power with lady. I mean, maybe this is a simplistic oversimplification of the church politics, but definitely there isn't this same understanding as what's happening in the Orthodox Church. So the clergy here in Western Ukraine, the, this Orthodox clergy, and technically speaking, they were under the ecumenical patriarch, you know, based in cities like Kiev, Lvov, Vladimir. This is Western Ukrainian Vladimir. And... They want that's they essentially the majority of them wanted to seek a union with the Catholics, and the union, of course, was under very uh, very pro-Orthodox Russian positions. They drafted this document, and this document wasn't drafted at a council. It was essentially the the opinions of the vast majority of, I guess, the prominent Orthodox people at the time. In the, I believe it was probably drafted in the late 1580s, but officially there's no real date to it. It's called the 32 Articles or the 33 Articles, if you might say. Some people add an extra article to it. And it has a very powerful preamble, which states, if the Catholic Church accepts these 32 Articles, we will be loyal to the Pope and the Roman Catholic Church until the end of the world for eternity. And it's just very powerful. It says, look, you guys accept our conditions and we will join you forever in union. It's like... Okay, well, isn't this what the Roman Catholics wanted for the Orthodox to come back and leave their heresies and schisms, so to speak, and rejoin? This is what they wanted at Constantinople and uh, the Council of Florence. And so they have this particular chance now. And so two Western, two Western Russian bishops, uh, Bishop Hypatius and Bishop Kirill, they travel all the way to Rome. In, uh, in They travel for two months between somewhere between autumn and they reach Rome in November of... Uh, 1595 and for about one and a half months they're having this discussion of the pope and the pope you know he's kind of really lazy about all of this because in fact he doesn't want to consider these 32 articles he doesn't want to accept the conditions of the western R russian orthodox church and so in fact in the end we're not even sure the historical documents are completely silent and even the secretary of the secretary of the pope antonioni uh, Antonioni doesn't even state if the 32 articles are accepted. He just says, look, the two Russian bishops, they simply came to the council, Hypatius and Kirill, and then they just accepted the Roman Catholic Church. And they attended liturgy in uh, December, like two days before Christmas, uh, December of 1590, uh, 1595, on the 23rd of December. They had a liturgy of us and they proclaimed union with the Catholic Church. And of course, these two bishops return home to Western Ukraine, to Poland. And what do they find out? They find out that the majority of the people who initially supported the union were now against it. It's almost the, like the flavor and the the conditions at home have changed. A lot of the laity, especially these rich generals, these rich Orthodox generals, these rich uh, landowners, even some of the bishops. There was only seven bishops here, by the way, in, in Poland and in what you, today you'd call Ukraine. Then the bishops have changed their opinions. Two of the bishops are not interested in this union of the Catholics anymore. <laughs> That is it for the free preview of episode 13 of Ether Hour, everybody. Click the link in the show notes below or the YouTube description, wherever you're listening, to hear the full thing on Substack, worldwarnow.substack.com. You get access to every episode of Ether Hour in the past, as well as our full articles, you know, all the uncensored stuff we can't post elsewhere. So be sure to subscribe. It really helps us out a lot. Thank you so much, and God bless. <laughs>